Good news. Microbiologists are finally decoding eczema, finding that nearly all people with eczema have a bacterial imbalance. Gladskin Eczema Cream with Microbalance is leading the change in transforming the world of eczema by providing relief from itch and redness, often within days, and moisturizes while rebalancing the skin microbiome. It's really a new and unique approach that's already been a proven solution for eczema relief in Europe for five years. It's different from steroids and traditional over-the-counter moisturizers because they don't rebalance the skin microbiome. What's worse, they contain preservatives, which kills all the bacteria, bad and good. Without good bacteria, your skin microbiome is actually weaker and more vulnerable. Instead, GladSkin works with the nature of your skin, not against it. It simultaneously moisturizes and restores balance to the skin microbiome to quickly relieve eczema, itch, and redness. GladSkin works smarter, not stronger, making it safe for everyone three months and older to apply twice daily, even in the absence of flares. It can be used proactively to keep eczema under control and can't be overused. It's free of steroids, fragrances, preservatives, and drying alcohols. It is clinically proven to reduce eczema, itch, and redness, has no drug side effects, and has been clinically tested, is hypoallergenic, dermatologists recommended, and accepted by the National Eczema Association. You can get it shipped right to your door at us.gladskin.com. That's us.gladskin.com. A 1.7-ounce bottle is $35, and it's backed by the Gladness Guarantee. Love it or your money back. So try it today and help relieve that mad skin with Gladskin. Listeners can use promo code MPU20 to get 20% off their order. That's MPU20. 20 to get 20% off. And folks, I have bad eczema, but they sent me a bottle and the stuff does work. I can attest to that. So go buy it. Welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. It is me, Micah Macaw. And me, Jordan Macaw. And we are the podcast where we go through uh, film franchises and we uh, go through them one movie at a time and we exist to prove people wrong when they say that sequels are never better than the originals. And currently we are on the series... um, the Middle Earth series. The Middle Earth series. Um, one series to rule them all, one series to find them, one series to rule them all, and in the darkness find twice. them. Yeah, doesn't it repeat? No, it no, I don't think so. Ah crap. Well, anyway, um, so that's what we're covering. We're doing all six Middle Earth movies, and this was brought to you by our patrons who this won our bracket. So today we're covering the two towers, and this is a great movie. Great, great movie. Do you want to start with anything? Do you have any stuff before we begin? I don't remember when I saw this movie first. Yeah. I'm assuming it was at home. Yeah. Shortly after I saw the first one. Okay. I, same with me. Same with me. Um, Okay. Well, then I'll just jump right into it. This is all the same production as our previous movie. Um, If you want to hear all of that, go back and listen to that one. This is, if you don't remember, listener, all three of these uh, original Lord of the Rings movies have a shared production. So 
this is actually unusual that I've even found anything that was different in yeah. in this movie than the others. So um, the only couple of differences are there's an additional writer on this movie, and his name is Steven Sinclair, and he um, did he was one of the writers on two of Peter Jackson's previous mm-hmm. um, like puppet movies that we talked about, and then a movie called Russian Snark. Okay. Um, and then this one ha- was edited by Michael Horton. If you'll recall, Peter Jackson hired three different editors yes. so that they could just get through these movies that were going to come out three consecutive years. Yeah. And this movie comes out December 18th, 2002. It has a $94 million budget, so a million less than the previous movie. How does that break down? Does that mean it was 95 or 94 for the whole series or for... I think each movie. That's got to be each movie. That, that You can't do three movies on that budget. That would you be insane. Can't. That would be insane. Um, and so domestically, the movie makes um, a little bit under $340 million. Um, and then worldwide, it makes $936,689,000. Okay. So it nearly makes a billion dollars. Yeah. That's 2002 money. Yeah. Which that is way more impressive because now it feels like every year they're like, another movie reached the billion yeah. mark. But dang, that's crazy. Um, So this, did you ever, as a lover of these movies and of the series, did you ever get confused on what the two towers referred to? When I, yeah, originally I did, but mm-hmm. it took me a couple years to figure out what it was. Okay, so what would you say it is? It's the Isengard Tower. Or Thank. And Sauron's Tower. Baradur. Yeah. Okay. Um, how long did it take you to figure that out? Well, it was one of those things that I had like never thought about. And yeah. then I think when I first read The Two Towers, I was like, wait, which one? Are, what are the two towers? Well, I, and I, I had to like Google it because I was like, they mentioned like four or five towers. Yeah. And I think I was also like, oh, it has to, Helm's Deep has to be one of them, right? Yeah. But I'm like, but that's not a tower, so it doesn't count. And then I think when I even did discover what what that was in reference to, I was like, why? But it makes sense now. Yeah. But it's still like kind of an odd title, and I have a reason why. Okay. Um, This was all just me setting the table there. Okay. Um, Two Towers' title was part of a deadline pressure from the publishers to J.R.R. Tolkien. And he later expressed that he like was not satisfied with that title. Hmm. Um, and he later referenced that um, it was in regards to Orthanc and Minas Morgul. And I believe Minas Morgul is where the Nazgul come from. Yes. But, Which is the green place. Yes. Okay. But in the movies, they clarify, Saruman, toward the beginning, he says the union yeah. of the two towers. And he's referring to the two you talked about. Yeah. But it's Which actually makes sense. well. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, go no. Go ahead. ahead. No, please go ahead. Um, it it actually when I was looking some stuff up, it's like it could be one of five tower. Like yeah. there's there's like five main towers, and um, f- like they can all work in the title. Yeah, that makes sense. I think for Sauron's tower to make sense in relation to Sauron is because it's focus. It's a huge focal point of the story. Yeah. Uh, focal. That's not a word. Of focal's a word. Okay. I'm pretty tired people. Um, and then it, it makes sense because, you know, in the first movie at, at the beginning of the first movie, we think he's a good guy. Then it's sl- like quickly shows that he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And the, f- between the first and second movie, it is kind of showing his 
what he has been doing in the the like creating a war. Yeah. It makes sense to me. And yeah, I think the way that the movie frames it does yeah. make sense because he talks about how it's the union of the two. It's the two armies teaming up and when the, to destroy man. At the Battle of Helm's Deep, that army is coming from Isengard. Yeah, yeah. But so, I, I think there is, isn't there some stuff from... Um, I mean, probably, but he's specifically breeding Urukai. Yeah. For that, the war. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. And so... They had a one to four. They had several miniatures of Helm's Deep, um, but the one uh, they had a one to four scale. That was what they used for the explosion. So mm-hmm. it was about fifty feet wide, and was and they used force perspective, and that's why. What does that mean? Oh, they just like they made other stuff look oh, smaller, so it yeah, looked yeah, yeah. B- bigger. Yeah, um, and that's why. That freaking shot looks so yeah. good because it's actually real. Yeah. We're actually seeing the explosion of the wall, and it's big enough that um, I think, like physics-wise, you actually see how it would react. Yeah, because whenever I hear miniatures, I think of a toy. Right. So when you do hear that it is a miniature, but it's still pretty dang big, there's some weight to it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that does make sense why it would still look really good. Mm-hmm. Rather than blowing was, up a toy. Right. If it was really, really small, it wouldn't react the way no. stones would react. Um, and yeah, that, meh, that's just it's just wild. <laughs> it's so wild. Uh, Vigo broke um, his toes when he kicks the helmet. We know, I think everybody knows that. Yeah. But when they're looking for Marion Pippin at the beginning of the movie, Aragorn kicks a helmet and he screams out in pain. And that's because he broke two scream. of his toes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Bloom fell off a horse and broke three ribs in this movie. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy. Uh, Helm's Deep took three months of shooting and 500 extras. <gasps> wow okay wait so this is something i was thinking of on this movie are there any deaths in this production i don't know that'd be an interesting thing to look up i feel like you would have found it yeah i probably would have yeah um yeah i mean there's a lot of people and a lot of action yeah it seems pretty easy especially because you'll hear in like the commentary and stuff they talk about how this movie's like the most expensive uh self find like the most expensive small movie ever made yeah it's yeah. kind of how they word it because they're like we don't really like we were kind of out here roughing it figuring it out yeah and it wasn't necessarily like like marvel is like you're in the studio it's yeah. always safe it's always and not that these were not safe movies but um it was much more like an independent approach to a big studio yes. movie yes so and it doesn't it is not done that way anymore no 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 um okay so, this is so nuts to me. So, if you remember in Lord of the Rings, uh, <laughs> the Fellowship of the Ring is what I mean to say, when you see Gollum, he looks a little bit differently than he does in this movie. Yeah. And the next movie. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. In 2001, they completely redesigned him. Now, this is kind of like, remember in Toy Story 2, how they scrapped the whole movie? Yeah. And then they had like nine months to complete the whole movie? Yeah. Or it might have even been less than that. It's kind of a similar thing where Andy Serkis shows up. Um, okay, wait, sorry. And Fellowship, when we do see him a little bit, yeah. is that anyone? No, those are CG. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like far enough and dim enough that it... They wouldn't even need it, someone. Yeah, and it looks, it lo- still looks great. Yeah. But, um, 
So then I, I, I don't remember which year he was casted, but Andy Serkis shows up. And of course, we all know this is his breakout. Yeah. And he shows up for a voice audition because Gollum was going to be CG. That's it. And he still does turn out to be CG. Yeah. More on that later. Um, so he shows up. He does this audition. You can see the audition, folks. Yeah. And it's wild because Peter Jackson was seeing like how his face was contorting, how he's doing this crazy voice and like spit was flying everywhere. And him and the producers just went, oh, we need to have him on set. We need to have him on set. So they bring him on set and they put him in this ridiculous outfit. And he starts acting like stuff an outfit out. that potentially they would use for the movie or a, no. or a motion capture outfit. Well, so we're so this is they're shooting this in like the two thousand like two thousand nineteen ninety nine um ish range, and so motion capture is not a thing really. Yeah. So this is really significant because this is like the first time this this has really been done to the extent that it was done. Um. Because it's like they're just trying to figure it out, so they're have they're shooting him on set, and then and then in the movie they'll paint him out, and then they mm. completely animate Gollum mm. or Smeagol. Um, but then they also have him do takes inside like a motion capture studio. Mm. Looks much different than they look now. Of course, technology yeah. has progressed a lot, and then they combine all of that information. So it's like they take the stuff that he did in the studio and put it. They use that to inform what he also acted on set to create the character. But when you watch the um, DV- the extras and stuff like that, it's really fascinating because the way they're talking about it is like all the animators and stuff are going, this is really dependent upon Andy Serkis's performance. Because you hear about this all the time now. Again, I always bring up Thanos because I think he's wonderfully done and Josh Brolin did a fantastic job. You look at that and you're like, yeah, you couldn't have got there without Josh Brolin. Like, he really brings a performance. But back in the early 2000s, you go, oh, yeah, that CG character, that's because of Andy Serkis. Your average audience member is going to kind of need to be convinced. Mm -hmm. So when you're watching the DVDs, they're, like, pushing that so hard. And even on set when Andy showed up, like, everyone's kind of like, what's going on? Like even oh, because he, he acted in the scenes. Yeah, and they're like, this is kind of weird. And then once they saw like how much he was giving, and then seeing the final project, it's kind of like Andy and Peter Jackson and the animators were like five, ten years ahead of yeah, uh, ahead of the curve. This paved the way so that decades down the road, Harrison Ford could play with a man who's supposed to be a dog as they're shooting Call of the Wild. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you could have gone so many directions with it and you took the best road (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah and i think i think since then it it seems like andy circus has never um not been interested in technology yeah that like fuels who he is i mean we all know him best from his directorial debut with andrew garfield the movie breathe of course that everyone saw um or maybe his second movie mowgli but um you know he's he's breathe it's a mo- it's a movie that looked it, it was like a true story about this guy. I think it was the guy who invented the iron lung. Okay, I'm bored. Okay, so it looked it looked w- more boring than you're thinking it oh. looked. I haven't seen it, but anyway. Um so that's that. That's a that's enough of Gollum, right? Yeah. Um Treebeard uh it took 28 to 48 hours per frame to render him. 
Say that one more time. So for every frame in the movie yeah. that Treebeard is in, it, when he's animated, it would take 28 hours to 48 hours to render one frame. Uh, and that reminds me of when we were at um, OMSI and they were doing the Pixar exhibit and they were showing the, it was like a time-lapse rendering of Inside Out. Specifically that one because that they did a t- new type of animation for that movie. Yeah. Which if you have seen that movie, you can tell it's a little bit different than all the other ones. Mm-hmm. And I d- don't get math even a little bit. So I see, I'm like watching it and I'm like, I, I don't understand any, yeah. of, any of that at all. So when I hear that, I'm like, okay, I just know. Sure. Cause that's what I hear all the time, but uh-huh. it's like, I can't even comprehend doing that. Well, the the thing about Inside Out is I think most frames in that movie took like a, a little over 30 hours to to render. Yes. Um and that's the final stage in yes. animation. Um but those computers that they were using, I mean what, they they were working on that in like the early 2010s maybe. Yeah. Um I can't remember what year that movie came out. Yeah, I think either. it came out in 2015. Um yeah, it did. Um but this is way, way earlier than that. So it's taking them 20... Like, the stuff that they animated Treebeard with, they could probably render that stuff in. You know, oh, they, yeah. They could render whole scenes in a day, like, easy His today. animation looks so good. He looks great. And there's another reason. Do you know about this? They had a 14-foot-tall puppet that they that used for Treebeard. Because sometimes it kind of felt like a puppet, and then other times it kind of felt a tiny bit like stop motion. Yeah. And then it also sometimes felt like CGI, like all of those things combined. Mm-hmm. And I think I think when you're seeing his face shots and when he's with Pippin and Mary, um, that's the puppet. But like his eyes and his mouth movements, I'm pretty sure are CG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then like the wide shots, those are CG. Yeah. Um, and really cool, Fangorn Forest is like they built this miniature that's like the size of our, like our living room in our apartment. And then they use cameras so that it looks like it's this huge forest, but it's all fake and made up. Love that. Very, very cool. Yeah. Um, and you know that John Reese Davies does the voice of yes. Treebeard, right? Yes. I remember watching the movie for the first time and seeing Treebeard and just being like in complete wonder over it. And my <laughs> dad saying Gimli does that guy's voice. And I was like, but how? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, just one more note here. Um, This movie was nominated for some Oscars. So it was nominated for Best Picture. It lost to Chicago. Nominated for Best Art Direction, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound Mixing. Uh, Didn't win any of those, but it did win Best Sound, or Sound, it was nominated for Best Sound Mixing. It won Best Sound Editing, and then it won Best Visual Effects, beating the first Spider-Man movie and Star Wars Attack of the Clones. Pretty significant. Those those are like those movies are pretty like big, effects. A heavy. big action year. Yeah, a big year for Christopher Lee too, being a bad guy in both uh, second movies of uh, trilogies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I got. Okay, so for the first person. Um, a, a new a newcomer to this series is Brad Dorif, who plays Wormtongue. Uh, he plays Billy Bibbit in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and is wonderful in that movie. He's also in Alien Resurrection. Oh. He's in Dune. Oh. Uh, Not the new movie. You're talking like the old one? Yes. Okay. 
Um, he's in Deadwood, the movie, the HBO movie. Um, Wildling, Cult of Chucky. The That's Exorcist our second Chucky Legion. guy from this. I know, it's weird. <laughs> uh, he's also in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Once Upon a Time. He's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, sorry, no, the show. I remember when that show was out and <gasps> yeah. everyone talked about it. And I was just like, I know that, that this is not for me. I just know. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean. Sometimes, here's a funny story. I was a freshman in college at SOU. Mm-hmm. And very shy person naturally and there's like a group of girls in this class talking about something i hear they're talking about like movie tv show whatever and i'm like oh cool and i was like what are you show are you guys talking about and they said gilmore girls and i said oh and i turned the other way it's <laughs> just like i just like i i have nothing to contribute to the conversation <laughs> well for a second yeah i and i i really want to know because i don't know that you and i have ever really talked about this before but um how do you feel about fairy tales that are re like they they're like a spin on a fairy tale love it if it's done in a good with a budget you do if like it's that. a tv okay. show no <laughs> because um because there's just no there's you can't have a budget big enough for that on a uh abc tv show you know yeah. what i mean yeah but also they know who their audience is honestly yeah um and but I, I love retellings of things mm-hmm. like, especially like, I mean, that's a lot of like, there are quite a few Shakespeare retellings uh-huh. like clueless is a Shakespeare retelling. That's very funny. I remember she's the man is a Shakespeare retell- retelling as well. Yeah. Um, I can't think of a good fairy tale retelling off the top of my head, but I know there's a lot of good books and that's very popular in young adult fiction, yeah. which I think is super cool. I just think, I, I don't know that I, maybe I ha- just haven't seen like a good fairy tale retelling yeah. because I just don't really like them really yeah. ever. Um, I just, I like the stuff that is like kind of based on fairy tales, but isn't them. For example, like Pan's Labyrinth oh, or yeah. like Princess Bride. Those are like, they're yeah. fairy tales, but they're not like a, a like take on fairy tales. Yeah. But maybe it's also because in the last 10 years, everyone wants to do like a gritty take on a fairy tale. Honestly, yeah, that's what sucks. But um, I, yeah, maybe I haven't seen a good fairy tale retelling as well. Yeah. Um, but I know I've, I've read a lot of book because of my job, a lot of like book synopsis mm-hmm. of uh, young adult books. Cause apparently that's what's, that's where it sells Yeah. of fairy tale retellings um, that I, that all sound like really interesting. I feel like a lot of the times it's changing the gender or changing um, like the race which make which just is cool because it it infuses like all these different issues into the story, yeah. That they have to tackle, yeah. Based on changing those things, anyway. I'm gonna keep going. So Miranda Otto plays Eowyn. Um, she is also in War of the Worlds. She is. She's in Thin Red Line, but so is everyone else. She's in The Silence, which is the um. The Silence. What is the John Krasinski movie? The Quiet Place ripoff movie starring Stanley Tucci. Because this is the synopsis. When the world is under attack from terrifying creatures who hunt their human prey by sound. What year did it come out? 2019. Huh? Right? (laughs) Right? And it's a book. But I have never looked up publication date. And I, I really feel like the book is the novelization. You know oh, what I mean? Oh yeah. Let me. I'll. I want to know. You the Metascore is twenty five. 
Oh, so it's good. <laughs> um, she's also in Annabelle Creation. She's in Twenty Four Legacy, the new Twenty Four season. She's also in Homeland, The Daughter, Rake, The Homesman, I Frankenstein, and The Turning, the new one. Okay, so the book came out in two thousand fifteen. No. Oh, okay. Which I don't know when. Let me look up when Quiet Place came out. Not um, to, after two thousand fifteen. I guarantee. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. Um. Okay. And then we have Andy Serkis, who plays Gollum, yeah, as we talked about. Yeah, um, sucks for that movie then, because it should have done well. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, um, okay, you don't have to cover him because we covered him in Black Panther. Oh, and I kind of recapped him a little bit just now. So cool. Yeah, I love Andy Serkis. Yeah, he's very cool. Okay, so then we will go to Aomer. Who is Carl Urban? Who is the Doctor in Star Trek or Bones, in the 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 new movies, the JJ movies? Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> the, the realization on your face was priceless. <laughs> um, he's also in Doom. He's in The Boys. He's in Bent. He's in Hangman. I don't want to see Thor any of that. He's in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, that's right. He's the so guy maybe with I the... have covered him, but I don't think I did. He's the guy with the machine gun. Yes, Pete's Dragon, The Loft. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, and then there was... Oh, he's up here. Oh, wait, no. Wait, wait, hold on. Since he's right here. David Wenham, who plays uh, Faramir. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in Van Helsing. Would love to see him He plays Carl in Van Helsing. (laughs) Oh, I do remember... Okay, so yeah, he's in 300, and he's the guy who's narrating. I don't remember that movie. You don't remember 300? Not really. But you know what movie I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I, mean I don't. Rem- I would never remember a narrator. Oh, but he he's like part of the movie. He's like a fighter. He's part of the okay. 300. But I believe that he's like carrying the the story. I could be wrong about that. We could cover that on like. our Patreon because they made a sequel a few oh, years they ago. Did. Yeah, <laughs> I might have actually seen it. Okay, he's also in in like Flynn. He's in Peter Rabbit. Patrons, let us know if you want us to cover 300 on the Patreon. Also, The Wall, Wake and Fight. Well, no, Wake and Fright. But who's in that? No, not my guy. Okay, Top of the Lake, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, the one with Javier Bardem, which is Dead That's Men the Tell fifth No one. Tales. Yeah. So he's had a pretty mediocre career. He's also in but Lion. I mean, honestly, that's a lot of big stuff. No, it is. It's just I mean, not all great. It's just not stuff we watch, really, is more what... Fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bernard Hill, who plays Theoden. He is in Titanic. He's Captain Smith. Oh, he's the captain of the I'm ship. assuming that's what it means. He's also in The Scorpion King. Wow. He's in Interlude City, Golden Years, Unforgotten. North v. South, Wolf Hall, Hope and Wire, Paranorman. He had, uh, watching the behind the scenes, it was funny because I really couldn't tell if he was joking or not. That's one Valkyrie. Oh, okay. He kept on saying stuff like, oh, yeah, they have the my double in makeup. Not sure why I'm here today. You know, oh. and he kept saying stuff like that or like, ugh, I gotta be, I gotta sit here and do this one thing. But it seemed like he was kidding like joking around but at the same time i i really was not sure because i I also like when you look at behind the scenes back then a lot of people are just like oh fun a camera behind the scenes so when someone's acting like that and they're on their quote best behavior and they're like taking shots at like the movie you're kind of like oh maybe they're worse than that interesting (laughs) but 
I don't re- I don't want to take that stance because I really don't. He genuinely could have just been like messing around, yeah. Or like it could have been a day where he's like, I just don't want to put on makeup today. I'm tired. Yeah, probably. Um, but um, so let's dig into the movie. Question. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, so I just thought about this. Okay, so what's the guy's name who plays Lucius Malfoy again? Um, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name right now though. I feel like he would be a good. He he could do really well in these movies. What which character would he be good at? I mean, he'd be a great Grima Wormtongue. No, well, I guess yes because he he did a lot of things similarly in Harry Potter by uh-huh. the end. But I wonder if he'd be like a good he'd be a good elf, like yeah, a wood elf. But I mean, he he ha- he just. It sucks, but he just has like an evil energy to him. Like when I know, but give him a like, chance. He could also be a good uh, <laughs> Gondor knight. Mm. I think I could see that. You know, no. Here's who he could be. He could be Boromir and Faramir's dad. He could be. He'd be good. He just at that. he just has the look that it's like. You know the the cast. I'm not complaining at all about the cast of this movie. Everyone's oh, a knockout. Yeah, but it's almost like, man, I wish he could have been in these movies because I feel like he just has the look. Yeah, he would or, look or good in some like, makeup. Like a like a recasting with today's actors who sure. w- who would play the parts. Sure. You know, um, I mean, he potentially potentially he's got the face to be an Aragorn. He it, might have the face, but does he have the gravitas? Yeah. Well, he's got gravitas, but does he have that particular kind? I don't know. I don't know if he does. But that leads me to a point where we're watching the movie this morning, getting ready for this podcast, enjoying this perfect movie. And um, I, if you know me at all, listener, you know that I argued. And if, if you think I'm crazy, I can you can call me or text me or email me that Tom Cruise should have won an Oscar for Fallout. Because it was, you know, his sixth movie with the character, and he brought a humanity to the character over the years, but especially in Fallout, that was unheard of. And then when you think about the stunts he's doing, it's really just unbelievable. Did you just bring this up to talk about him? No, no, no. I'm I'm working my way to a point. Um, he would not be a good Aragorn if you're going there. I'm no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But wh- oh, he couldn't fit in those <laughs> shoes. <laughs> <laughs> You just took the the win completely. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything else. <laughs> no, no, please. I mean, if you're gonna interject with that, that's okay <laughs> because that's funny. Um, but but and then of course, if you compare him with Rami Malek that year, Fallout sure. is clearly a better performance. So if you're gonna give one an Oscar, you may as well consider the other one because yeah. But let's set that aside now. So. I just think that movies like Mission Impossible, movies like Lord of the Rings, and even to some degree Star Wars, and one more prelude before I really jump into this point, I'm not saying that these that these kinds of movies do need to win acting awards. I am not saying that because there are. But you, are you saying that they're easily overlooked? I think that they're they're overlooked and they're also underappreciated. Yes. Now, of course, with Lord of the Rings, it's an ensemble. Like, if you looked at the movie, how would you even decide who to nominate? Yeah. Yeah, it, who, it who just, to campaign for? Yeah, it, it really wouldn't work. So that's not the point I'm making. But I was watching this movie, and, and it, it goes with just about every character, but particularly for me, Elijah Wood and Viggo Mortensen have some of my favorite performances that I have ever seen in any movies. 
Frodo, when he is in this movie, and the the first movie, he's not quite um, under the spell of the ring yet. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, the way that he shows what he is going through is so incredibly moving. I I really I I feel for him, and again, that's why he's my favorite character. I just understand what he's thinking and what he's going through, and I just can see myself being Frodo. Like, I can feel those emotions with him. And then Viggo Mortensen just does the most, like, unbelievable acting in these movies. Because, and really with anyone, these would be so easy to just be totally schlocky. And Orlando gets pretty close a lot of the time, but since he's an elf and kind of in a different realm, it totally works. But I just think the acting in these films is just not talked about enough. That these people gave incredible performances, and that they should be applauded for it. I love the the side characters too. King Theoden, come I know. on! With I would his say though that because these movies are still regarded so well, that a lot obviously a lot of that has to do with the acting. Because if the acting wasn't even as close as good as the story. It wouldn't have yeah. even been, it would not have even been successful in the first place. Yeah. So I think people do appreciate it, whether it's like it might not be consciously. Yes, and I do not think these movies are underappreciated as a whole. I know. I mean, next week, in case you forgot, listeners, you're going to hear about how many Oscars Return of the King won. Yeah. I mean, these movies are so critically acclaimed and they're so influential. No one's denying that, but people rarely talk about the acting. And I just want to give it its due. The acting in these movies, just completely unbelievable mm-hmm. on everybody's account. Let's talk about the movie. Okay. <laughs> so this starts with Frodo and Sam uh, making their way to Mordor, right where it left off from the first movie. Mm-hmm. And they're in this um, very rocky, mountainous area. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also very foggy. And they're... Um, obviously, you can tell that they're they're very out of their depth. They're, uh, I, I think that's what it's also in the beginning when it's, they're going down Sam's elvish rope. Yeah. And they have that moment where he almost loses his Shire spices or salt. Yeah. And I love that moment, that little touch of like them longing for home so strongly. And then they have to continue out. So yeah, so they get lost very quickly. Um, and so what, can you help me? My brain's not working. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- this and then and then this is when Gollum sneaks up on them. Yes. And they they capture him, and then the, I mean, r- let's talk about Gollum's animation. It's it's Great. twenty years later, almost. Still good. It's actually just insane how well he's aged. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are little things like you could just imagine if they made him now he'd just have a lot more details like you'd probably see it the there pores. are a couple times where it doesn't look like his feet are on the ground a couple times yeah um but that's few and far between yeah and, but, but like when he's touching something like the the physical world is responding mm-hmm. very well to to what he's touching um and that be i think because they had andy circus acting it not just voice acting but acting it they got a lot of um little ticks that they would probably not have gotten otherwise because if you think about a lot of the times when they cgi a character that maybe it was not motion captured um it it just feels like a cgi character right a lot of the times but i think because they had a lot of little ticks with within his acting it feels more real Uh uh-huh 
Yeah, absolutely. And and for the most part, they they said that like especially with his face, they were pretty much copying what he was doing on yeah, set. That makes sense. But then there were some other stuff like in this first fight. I just it's really interesting to me. Like, you know, Andy Circus goes in for a headbutt on Sam, and then they're looking at it, the animators, and they're like, "So we tried to run that, and it just doesn't look like physical enough." And so instead, they made a golem's hand wrap around and grab his his head and pull it back and it looks like a lot more like animalistic and strange interesting so there's just a lot of stuff like that where they're like oh let's make this small adjustment here yeah really I, cool i think uh <laughs> the thing about golem too with his fighting style he, it's prison rules yeah it's for just sure whatever yeah which which makes him so scary because uh-huh. you literally cannot predict what he's going to do because he will do anything uh-huh. for the ring um but obviously they subdue him and they've had him they have him captured um i remember as a kid thinking just kill him uh-huh. he, there's nothing but bad with him but of course frodo shows him kindness which is something that Gollum hasn't seen for hundreds of years yeah and you gotta think that in frodo's brain he's having that com- that he's reliving the conversation with gandalf where he says i think Gollum has something else to play in this story yes that and because frodo bears the ring he sees someone who was also bore the ring is that the right word but <laughs> bear it's not bared has you know, born, some, someone yeah. who also had possession of the ring for too long, but he's, it's like, he's, he's seeing something or someone like the effects of the ring. And they, they have like a connection because of that. Yes. Um, whether they like it or not. Yes. So, um, you know, Gollum knows how to get to Mordor. So he takes them there. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to get to that part. So like they, well, I think let's just go, let's take characters. Let's oh, go okay. through their so Story. they get to the gates of Mordor. Well, are we going to talk about the Dead Marshes, though? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. The Dead Marshes are a cool set because you can, like, smell it. Mm-hmm. You you can smell it and you can feel it. And this is when we're introduced to the Nazgul riding dragons that are kind of, like you said, like, lizardy, And they have kind of a snake head kind mm-hmm. of thing going on. Haven't really seen dragons that look like they that look, before. They look decrepit. They yeah. don't look, um, you know, because a lot of times when they when you see artwork of a dragon or something, it looks awesome. They look so strong. Yeah, these just look slithery. They look beaten down by by these horrible creatures. Kind of like how the Urukai and the orcs don't look healthy, right? But because it, it, it's the it's like this is what evil looks like. Yeah, which I like that. It's like obviously it looks strong, but it does look soulless. And, and there's like bad. holes in their wings yeah. and stuff. And and you gotta like. One one of the cool things about the Hobbit movies of the two I've seen is that Smaug looks awesome, and when you look at him and compare him to these dragons, oh. it's like that's like I, I mean, don't really remember what he looks like. Well, he's like a classic looking dragon, but he looks. I remember him looking so yeah. cool. Yeah, and so it's like he's like what a dragon should look like. Although he's obsessed with gold and he's too greedy and he's gluttonous, but these are like. Bad. like these dragons do not look good they're yeah. not healthy they're yeah. not um so that is kind of something that i think when you look back at the hobbit it does kind of improve how those look when you look yeah. at it through that lens um, um also in the marshes love the when you know smeagol is talking in the middle of the night and frodo's you know try he's like he knows who he is like yeah you were once called smeagol uh-huh. and and Gollum like has that look on his face of 
That was a name someone used to call me. Oh, yeah. Like, he's forgotten that. Like, when's the last time he heard that name? Yeah. That's the weird thing. Yeah. And I I love that because, you know, he's such a complicated character that there are a couple times based on, like, something that's happened in the conversation or his face that's like, is there a chance that he could ever be okay? Yeah. Is there a chance? And that's what makes his character so interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, they're in the marshes. Frodo falls into the water. Because he's like scary en- entranced by the thing in the water. This reminds me of the, uh, it's very different, but it reminds me of Deathly Hollows part one with Harry Potter, Harry and Dumbledore in that, all those dead things trying oh, to bring yeah. him down into the when water. When he's drinking the... Yeah. That's, it's always, those things have always reminded me of each other. Obviously, I didn't yeah. see one until much later than the other, but yeah. um, I've always loved the sequence because it freaks me out so much, yeah. but in a like, ooh, <laughs> kind of way. <laughs> the fun kind of scary. Yeah. Um, also, I do want to say that as a kid, um, I think seeing Gollum and seeing him so much in this movie and the fact that he actually works... It's just, as a kid, you're just like, give me more. Give me yeah. more Gollum. Like, I was yeah. so excited. Oh, I was so like, excited. When uh, We'll talk about this next week, but when Return of the King starts with Smeagol, I was like, I cannot believe that. Th- that was like the Avengers assembling to me as yeah, a yeah. child. I was like, uh, the, uh, cinema cannot get any better. Yeah. And then there was a giant spider, and it got better. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, by the way, that's the only movie of these my mom has seen. The third one? Yeah, because we went to the theaters for my birthday. And I think... She, I th- did she not like it? She doesn't really like fantasy. Yeah, that's why I'm asked. She probably was so confused. Yeah. I mean, I still think that you can kind of, like, get into, like... Well, you're that's not easy get the- to know who's good and who's bad. That's yeah. that's not the issue. Yeah. But in terms of knowing significance... Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure she dozed a little bit in the movie. Because, you know... Because she's like, my son wants to go see this three-hour movie for his birthday. <laughs> yeah, like a 10-year-old or whatever. And it's like, it's time for Return of the King. Yeah. Save it for next week. Um, Dead Marshes are cool. Now we're at the Black Gate. Okay, yeah. So we're at the Black Gate. Uh, animation, crazy. Animation's crazy. So, yeah, those are those trolls. Trolls opening the yeah. gate. Um, the physics of it still looks great. Very yeah. believable. Even... I that's at a point where it was showing the gate opening and I said as we were watching it um even when I can tell that like the effect when when I can tell that it is an effect it feels endearing to me mm-hmm. because the effect doesn't look even though I notice it it doesn't look bad to me it looks like man that almost looks like a cool style it really does and I I think part of that is nostalgia goggles totally for sure yeah but I mean I would love to see like if someone our age had never seen these movies to watch them and say, when they're done, don't tell them to look for it. But afterward be like, what did you think of the special effects? And I think they would be, I think they would be like, yeah, I noticed a couple of things, but nothing distracting. Cause it's never, it's never distracting. Mm-mm. Even when you know, as someone who's seen a lot crazier special effects, you know, I still am just, I'm astounded by rewatching these movies. Absolutely. By the visuals. And it helps I, having so many special features to get through. Yeah. And and I think I really think one of the main things is that they they were shooting on locations. Even though I'm sure that made Gollum so much harder to shoot than how they shot him in, you know, the Hobbit movies and stuff like that. But I just the the sets just bring a whole life to this movie that you do not see in other movies. And it's it is cool to know cuz those the corridor crew guys yeah. When they did Gollum on one of yeah. the episodes and they're still amazed by it. 
Like yeah. they're yeah. still in a, in a way kind of trying to figure out Absolutely. how they, how they did it, even though they, they know it, but they're obviously like, there is so much talent that <laughs> yeah. went into this type of animation. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, I think that those guys are kind of like the Mount Rushmore of digital effects in a lot of ways, like the Weta team yeah. that worked back then. It's like, Oh, Oh uh, yeah. You guys made the constitution, yeah, <laughs> you know? You're right. Um, but so they get to the black gate. You get to the black gate. So the gates open. Um, Sam falls down the hill that they're hiding behind. Yeah. And they use their elf, elven um, cloaks to shield themselves, which I've always loved that. I love that. It, it camouflages themselves. Um, we see. So what are those guys? Those are the guys that they will fight at in Pelennor Fields in the next movie. Okay. Um, I so, don't know where they're from though. I can't remember. Yeah. I was like, these look like the Arabian part of the map, dudes. They look so cool. I've always loved them. And as a kid, I was like, give me more of whatever these things are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they are man, though, right? They're humans. Yeah, I right? that's I've always believed that. Yeah. Um, so they yeah, so they're going through the gate. Um, and it, so Sam and Fred were about to also go through the gate, <laughs> yeah. which I remember watching it and as the first the first time of being like, but how? They're that's so dumb. Like they're just going to get caught so fast and Gollum, you know, pulls them back and he's freaking out because he, he says that little thing about like, he wants it and you're going to give it to him. If you go there, Yeah. like he panics and doesn't, it's like, he will take it. And it, it, there's one side of his argument that feels like he will have it and he will destroy everything. But also the other side of the argument of he will have it, which means I will not. Yeah. And there's probably even a third thing where he's like, I don't want us to get that close because maybe you will destroy it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's absolutely. so much for Gollum to not allow them to go through yeah. there. Um, which is, you know, as I'm sure it mostly comes from selfish intent. Yeah. It is like, thank goodness he kept them back. Uh -huh. um, and then where do they go from there? Then that's when they go, they head out. And then there's like the scene where um, Gollum, Go Gollum basically, he has that conversation with himself. Mm -hmm. Which the animator said, they were like, that's Andy. We just did what his expressions were. Right. And he would switch in the takes and stuff. Those right. weren't like separate. It's I'm sure they edited the takes together. but a uh, shot scene. Oh, yeah. That I've seen in comedies, like especially that community episode with Chang. Oh, yeah. And it's the cameras just moving from side to side. Yeah. It's so good. Um, but yeah, it's he, brilliant how they do it. He like banishes Gollum yeah. out of himself. And so one, one of the things that the the producers and writers had a really tough time with is and our our buddy anthony panter who did the does the music for this like the intro music and outro music he um mentioned that which i had never known that J.R. tolkien had intended these to be this to be one book yeah the lord of the rings so when he had to divide it it's you know it's divided into three books and within those books there's two books each yes so six really um um, like like the two towers is very much a middle part of the series, so they're kind of racking their brains. Like, how do we have like a narrative thrust so this doesn't just feel like this middle thing that has no beginning and no end? Um, and I and I think that um, some of the changes that they made so far, this one feels the least like the book than like the Fellowship and Return of the King. If my memory serves me right, on Return of the King. Um, but the changes they made really do connect it and make it feel like one movie. Mm. So, like, saving Shelob and adding the the fight at uh, Kirith Ungol, 
Is that it? No, at um, Osgiliath. Yes. Where, where, yes, 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 that's and, it. And having Frodo like get to this point where he gives almost gives a ring to the um to Nazgul. the Nazgul, not in the books. And then ha- and then really doubling down on Gollum's split personality. All of that really makes for a good second movie that develops everybody. Yeah. And then as we go along, I think we'll talk about some more of the other things, but so they're captured by Faramir. Yeah, well, just to the Gollum thing. It, it, so, yes, yeah, very important that it's like he banishes Gollum and it is basically now Smeagol. Yeah. In a way. Uh-huh. Um, and you can tell because the acting is so good uh-huh. that there is a lighter air of, oh, yeah. of Gollum now. And he seems much more upbeat and like genuinely wanting to help Frodo because Frodo's his master mm-hmm. and he's protecting like in a way it's like he is lordship over Smeagol. Um okay yeah so then they um in this area that they're at they're about to leave but they see a group an army of men marching, you know, in some direction. Yeah. And they know that these are I forget where the men are from. Maybe you remember. They're this I think they're from the same area as the guys who are marching into the black gate. Okay. Yeah. They, they're wearing the same armor. Okay, yeah. So they're men marching to war and they they know obviously it's bad. These, uh-huh. these are like not friendly people and they see Ollie fans, which are just so cool. They really held up. Yeah. They look so good. I wonder what they'll look like in the next movie. Yeah. Cause there's more of them. Yeah. And they're in the action. Yeah. Um, and I think Legolas also swings up onto one of them. He so, swings down a trunk. I yeah. remember that. Oh, I know that, but he might also like climb up one. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, so they're captured by Faramir, um, who him and his crew ambush these men uh-huh. uh and Farmer take you know takes them with them uh-huh. um he frodo and sam will not tell him what they're doing so Farmer is suspicious that maybe they're um doers of saramon's bidding somehow yeah which is kind of crazy mm-hmm. that he would suspect him but i also get it because yeah. of the times that we live in well and we see his relationship with his father he has so yes. much pressure on him. which is i yeah so that's an extended part of the movie is showing that scene with Boromir. Yeah. Um, and then you see yeah, his, his father. So Boromir's Faramir's brother. Um, you see that Bor- Faramir's dad does not like Faramir. No. It always favored Boromir. And he told Boromir to go to Rivendell on who, cause they're asking for people and telling him, you bring the ring back here because the men need it. Yeah. Um, that whole extended scene, I understand cutting it for time, but it really does show Faramir's struggle with like when he discovers that Frodo has the ring, like, oh my gosh, my father will finally accept me and love me. Yeah. You're coming with us. And by this point, Smeagol has left and he kind of escaped. And so they're captured now. Um, the two hobbits, they're under this waterfall, which is a real set and they had like water shooting in the background in real life. Very cool. Um, and we're just getting more into it and, and Sam's telling him, you know, you should just put on the ring and get out of here. And Frodo's like, I can't, uh, they do a really good job at taking the time to show Sam's struggle with Frodo of like, uh, in Uh a way struggling to trust him because Frodo was choosing to trust Smeagol. Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Um, and so, uh, they see Gollum, and he's in this forbidden pool, and they're about to kill him. The Faramir and his mm. um, band of goons. <laughs> okay. 
And he does his iconic song, My Only Wish is to Catch a Fish So Juicy Sweet, and smacks it, Gollum. Yeah. That's always stuck in my head forever. And then Frodo says, you know, come on, come out, come out, come out, come out. And then they kind of tricked Frodo to get them Gollum, and they attack him. And then this is when Gollum switches to, like, I can't trust Frodo. Well, it's, I've always looked at it as they captured Gollum, they didn't capture Smeagol. That's how I see it. Oh, okay. Be, especially because he was captured unaware. Uh-huh. Um, and he was uh, misguided by Frodo. Yeah. So because of that, he became Gollum. Like, it's full on Gollum again. And that yeah. scene where they're, you know, interrogating him and he's like... Huddled they're abusing up in the him And he's like in the corner and he just has this inner monologue of all those crazy things. One of the best shots said. of the movie. Oh, yeah. His, is his back is turned the whole time, but he's he's going back and forth. I mean... It's unbelievable. The, the acting is outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. Um, yeah, so he, he you, it's just basically representation, Gollum's back, and yeah. all he cares about is the ring. Mm -hmm. and, and he'll do anything to get it yes. again. Um, so then we go to Osgiliath, right? And Yes. And then this is when, you know, there's kind of a battle, but they're not doing too much of the battle there because there's already, like, probably one of the greatest battles ever filmed happening in another section of the movie, which we're going to get to. Um, but during this Frodo and Sam and Faramir, like Faramir basically says, you know what? I was wrong. You need to go. But it takes, but it, it, it takes, takes a while. It takes, yeah. no, what I'm saying is it takes him seeing Frodo almost give up the ring to the Nazgul. And then it also takes him seeing Sam save Frodo. And uh -huh. then it also takes him hearing Sam's speech. Oh, does he hear it? Yeah, because he, he gives his speech and then it cuts to Faramir looking at them. Uh -huh. And I just assume that he caught wind oh, of it. Oh, okay. Um, the speech is unbelievable. Unbelievable. So unbelievable. It's my senior quote in high school <laughs> in the yearbook. Well, I mean... What? <laughs> well, a lot of people quote a lot of things in their senior yearbook. It doesn't make it so unbelievable that it's quoted. Wow, way to just really downplay my high school senior quote. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Fine. I I thought it would play funny on the mics, but now it just played off as mean, and for that I apologize. Everyone's shaking their head right now. I know, because I'm wrong. Um, but anyway. But it's always a speech that really makes me tear up. Yeah, um, and it's just about stories and, and hope and how... and, and it, to me this really spoke to me because i'm i feel with with the way things are happening right now and the way things are going with this crazy virus and all of this other stuff it just feel it's hard to remember that there's hope yes and watching a movie like this really fills me with like you know what it doesn't matter if you can't see it or you don't understand it you have to just cling on to hope you just have to believe that it'll get better you and just, i, you I just, just have love to. the part when you know he he's like we just have to keep you know, f for what we're fighting for. And Frodo's like, what are we fighting for? And Sam says that there is still some good in this world, Mr. Oh, Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. It's crazy. And it blew my mind when I read the book and that speech is not in the yeah. book. There's like a small version of it, but they really expounded upon it. Again, speaks to a great adaption team. I mean, mm -hmm. the people that adapted this are very good at this. They, they know the heart of the story. Yeah. And if you know the heart, you can adapt it. Well, if you have the skills in which to do so. Sure. Um, but then they they make their way out, and Gollum is going to show them the way. 
And then it kind of ends on this really nice cliffhanger note where he's off doing his multiple personality thing again. And he's like, he's like, um, you know, I, I will, we'll kill the hobbits. No, we can't kill him. We'll kill him. And then he's like, but she could do it. Yes, she could do it. And, and I'm sure that people who were in the theaters that had read the books were like, how long is this movie? Because Shelob is in two towers. Right. Oh, I'm so sure. Th- yeah. They were probably like, what the heck is this going to happen? Um, I wonder if in press they even talked about how it's not in this so that people wouldn't expect that. I wonder. Yeah. But um, but as someone who hadn't read the books yet, I was just like, who's she? Me too. What's she? And then when I saw the trailers, or maybe when I got to that level in the video yeah, game, yeah. I was kind of like, oh, that's insane. Yeah. But another, I think it's smart that they moved that to Return of the King. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. But, yeah, um, I when, when Faramir um, learns where he's taking them, yeah. he immediately is like, what oh, are you doing to them? Yeah. Like, yeah. he's like, I pray for, or he's like, basically he says, I pray for your death if you mean harm on them. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's it's interesting, you know. He still lets them go, though. Uh-huh. And I, it's just it's just there's so much all behind all of this because, of course, Fairmere. That's not they're not his responsibility. Like literally, yeah. he gave them up, and it's kind of like, well, if these hobbits are trusting this thing, which I don't think they should, but they do, I have to let them go. Yeah, because I the, like my responsibilities lie in way you know in super big things over here. Mm-hmm. He's just the such a good character. Oh yeah, I I really love Faramir. Me too. Um, but now, so we've covered Frodo, Sam, and Gollum. It's time to rewind and go to Merry and Pippin. Okay, they have been captured by the Urukai in the first movie, and so now they're being traveled by this this huge group of the Urukai, and um, we'll kind of, we'll get into the Legolas, you know, Legolas, Gimli, and aragorn are also tracking them so um all of that's happening we're getting the familiar musical cues very cool you know when we see aragorn and the his two guys it's like might i add the score to this movie howard shore does not go okay i already wrote so much stuff for the first movie let's just kind of repurpose it he still writes a bunch of other stuff especially the rohan stuff that's it's just like one tier below the most iconic of the Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Because when I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily hum this when I'm walking around, but, oh, I remember that melody. It's the stuff that I played on guitar at the beginning of this episode, folks. Um, but, you know, you're you're seeing and you're finding out that, well, I mean, it's refreshing you that the the orcs are keeping them alive because they think they, that Saruman thinks that one of the hobbits has the ring. Yes. Well, he knows one of them has it, but he doesn't know who. Yes. And so, basically, then the Riders of Rohan attack this group of orcs. Well, yeah, this in the part before okay. they almost get eaten. Okay, go ahead. So, they're taken to this area. Um, they start cutting down these trees in these forests for fire for the night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the orcs and the Urukai start complaining about having only... Mag- they've only eaten maggoty be- bread for the last three stinking days. And um, <laughs> one of the orcs poses the idea of maybe eating the hobbits. Yes. To which it's no, 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 because of what you just said. And they're like, what about just a bite off the flank? Yeah, and one of just the, a bite, just a little. I taste. saw that that guy's picture. Uh huh. 
I knew it was that orc no because way. he. I mean, the dude is not weird looking. He looks uh-huh. like a normal, like he's a pretty good looking guy, but it looks like him. <laughs> really? Isn't that weird? He's like the blue orc, yes. right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh no, that was him. That was him. Whoa. Weird. Um. Anyway, yeah, so he gets decapitated and I remember- And then he goes, the, the main orc guy goes, looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Yeah. <laughs> and intestines are being thrown up into the air and uh, Mary and Pippin try to make an escape. Um, during this time, the writers of Rohan find them and they start butchering the Yurikai and the orcs. It's a complete ambush <laughs> and Mary and Pippin are scattering trying to run away from all of this so that they don't get killed and uh that I love how they end that um they they end that story plot right there with the horse about to trample on Pippin yeah love that but we're gonna keep going yes Pippin does not get trampled by a horse um he rolls he rolls and then they cut off their the ropes binding their hands on a blade and then they yeah. run into the forest, and one of the orcs runs after them. Uh huh. And then when they're in there, they they climb a tree. The tree comes to life, kills that orc, and we're introduced to Treebeard. He thinks they're orcs, and we we're introduced to this whole thing. First of all, he is not a tree. He is a tree herder, an ent. Mm-hmm. So this is why this is one of the coolest concepts I have ever heard of. They are tree herders. That implies that he has like a section of the forest and he he like moves the trees around and stuff and they may or may not. Well, actually, we see that scene where Mary and Pippin are drinking the stuff and the trees that attack Mary and Pippin or the tree that like captures it in yeah. its roots. It doesn't have a face. It doesn't come alive, but he commands it to stop yeah. like a shepherd. Yeah. That is the coolest thing. And what's crazy too, because, you know, this is, like this is high fantasy stuff yeah and this is hf this is hf so we've seen you know through history and time okay dragons yeah that's been a part of folklore for a really long time wizards sure Uh Uh, i heard of merlin um and then you know knights which was a real thing yeah we know about Um, them and then you know orcs and yorkite that is something that's new i think orcs have been around oh no you think you're right but you know what I mean? It's like that. So there's that stuff. But then these tree things come to uh, life. Haven't heard of these before. I've never heard or seen this in my life. And it is amazing. I mean, I bet there have Because I think there's trees that come to life in Snow White, aren't there? Which that movie came out in like 1939. It's not to the same effect. But, yeah. but in Pocahontas, there is a tree that talks. Tree Pocahontas is way after Tolkien, though. Yeah. That's like the... 80s I don't know. Or 90s, right? Oh, I mean, in Snow White, I think when she's running through the forest, trees have like mean looks on their faces. But I, I don't. Yeah. I think it's just a painting. Oh, okay. But I, but I could e- be wrong. It's been either so way, long. Tree herders, though, because you. Th- th- no, no, no. This isn't just a tree. Okay, tree. Uh, come to life, tree. Mike is on board. I want to watch that. Sit movie. down. <laughs> but but these are tree herders. They're ints, and they're so cool. And they have this whole thing where they they just talk so slowly and so long and the way they mixed in the sound of them talking and whatnot it's like creaks of trees yes so you could go out into a forest and theoretically believe that maybe the trees are communicating may or may not have thought that as a kid super cool um and i do love the voice acting by 
oh, uh, yeah. by Gimli. Um, John Reese davies the, the like inhale, exhale, really uh, slow da, da, stuff. Da, da, da. Yeah. And then, so he, he brings them to the white wizard, who mm. we believe to be Saruman. And we don't find out what Marion Pippin, what that conversation looks like or anything like that. Yes. But so they're, the, the wizard lets them stay with the end. Yes. And so throughout this, they're just with the trees pretty much the whole movie. The whole, the point is, you know, they, the white wizard lets them go because he knows that they have an integral part to play on what is going to happen to Isengard. Oh, I never even thought of that. He kind of says something like that. Yeah. Like they're, they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and so, so they just spend the rest of the movie trying to can basically trying to convince the Ents to join into this war. Yes. And there's that great scene where, um, you know, the Ents have all been talking for a really long time. It's a meeting of the Ents, and you think it's this big epic thing. And then Mary's like, it's been, it's been hours and hours. What have you decided yet? And they go, we've decided you aren't orcs. Yeah. And he's like, our friends need help. We're running out of time. And throughout the whole movie, he said, don't be hasty. Don't be hasty. But you see this balance of like Mary and Pippin are like, no, you guys need to do something. Now is not the time to have meetings and councils. You need to act because yeah. this there won't be a forest if you guys don't act. Yeah. And so basically they decide to do nothing. Yeah. And they're headed on their way back. But then like it's crazy. They're presented with the opportunity to go back to the Shire. Yeah. And then Pippin's like, you know what? Let's go by. Let's go south. Yeah, and go by Isengard because the closer we are to danger, the farther we are from harm. Yeah, and, and Treebeard's just like, that doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes there, then he sees the all the chopped down and burned down trees at that part of the Fangorn Forest. Mm-hmm. And then he calls the Ents and it's they go time. They go down, they pillage isengard yes and it's so cool that they took the time to um design all the trees mm-hmm, differently mm-hmm. they didn't really have to do it but they they no, made th- them i think all, they did okay but they made them all look so different yeah like so different they're very cool yeah and they are just slaying orcs left and right yeah and they release this dam so you see that like the area around Orthanc was is it like a lake it's like in the middle of a lake kind of yes. and he has like pillaged it in such a way made me wonder if before all this he there was like a boat to his tower or something like that because he would have been one with nature and stuff like that okay or so if that dam was built way before he got there question yeah and because it could just be me not remembering the books really well uh-huh. but in the first movie when gandalf goes to meet him to discuss with him what everything that's happening and this is before we know that saron saron's bad uh-huh. they're walking through like grass oh, it's like grass and there's forest and I, and- I wonder if that is the fangorn forest or i've always kind of wondered or this time around wondering if it's a charm if it's oh, if it, that it would be cool. because obviously when you see isengard it looks nothing but bad guy stuff going on yeah but maybe but it's also, a charm you put on. part of the implication is yeah. that when he goes there, a lot of time passes before he goes back to the Shire. And I'm sure that's the answer to it. But at the same time, in the movies, they don't, they don't, like in the book, it's like Gandalf and Frodo meet at the beginning of the book. And then a year later, Frodo leaves the Shire. Yeah. And does it, how but long does the quest take? I think it years. takes like nine months. Oh, I, I thought think. it took years. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but then in the movies, they do make it seem pretty clear that 
it, it's it's not that long. Yeah. It's it's definitely shorter. Yeah. A shorter time period. But um yeah, I wonder if there is some sort of charm thing. And um yeah, anyway, great sequence. Saruman and Grima Wormtongue are there. Mm-hmm. And going to lead into a very very interesting intro fact about oh. the return of the king that I don't think you know about that I was like, whoa, how, how did, did I never it? hear about this? Oh, I just I found it on Wikipedia and then I did some outside researching. Really interesting. So folks, that is a cliffhanger if you ever heard one. Does it have to do with him the way he dies? Um kind of. Kind of. I'll just say that. I don't we'll want to say too much. Mic. Yeah. Um because I have questions. Okay, but No, I'm saving it for you. Um shut it. So Isengard has been taken over. Yes. Uh so it, it this is the end of Pippin and Mary's storyline. And it's also a picture of like this is what restoration to this world will look like. Yes. Just and very beautiful. I love that kind of throughout their storyline, a couple times they have mentioned how much how much they long to smoke pipe weed. Yeah. Um, and that's how their storyline ends as they find like the most the rarest and purest pipe weed. From the South Farthing. From of the South Shire. Farthing. And it's great because they were presented with the opportunity to go home. And of course, Mary's like, there will be no home to go to. Of if course. They don't, if, if they don't. If they don't yeah. do anything. So, you know, their storyline ends with them being able to have a tiny part of the Shire. Yeah, you're Because right. of this decision that they made. Yeah. Um, just beautiful. It's just so sweet. It's such it, What a wonderful ending to their storyline in this movie. Absolutely. Because things get nuts for them. Very and, soon after. And don't tell me, but I cannot remember what happens with Mary in the next movie. Oh, okay. I can only remember Pippin. Okay. Um, so I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I mean, I know that they survive, but yeah. um, I don't Someone remember. takes a shine to him. Not in that kind of way, but just like a, an interest and in mm, okay. admiration. But oh, not, not oh, a he's love the, He's thing. the one with Eowyn. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, I she, was getting she, them she, like, confused. You yeah. Know, they, she sees, a, well, she sees some of him in her. Yes, Where that's it's like it she's not allowed to fight. And he's not allowed to fight, really. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, okay. So we've covered them. Now, Aragorn, Legolas, Gimli. What is up, bros? <laughs> what, let's cut to them, um, to the Riders of Rohan. What about Gandalf? That's before, when they meet oh, the Riders right. of Rohan. Yeah. And, um, so Which means you should maybe cut to Rohan. Yes, because... so you do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... There, there. Believe it or not, guys, there's a lot of exposition given to you within all these three storylines. There, exposition, exposition in terms of we see Saruman building an army and creating allegiances. He especially creates an allegiance with men who, um, who are they fighting? Like, what was their reason? I asked you when we were watching it, and I can't remember. But the guy that cuts his hand. Oh He's yeah, those where? those are like the wild the wild men from the hills that have been right. pushed out from the Ro- Rohan has like pushed them out. Right. Is what Sauron says. I don't know how true that is. Right. But right. um that's what he so, says. All that exposition is going on during everything else to show how formidable he is becoming. Mm-hmm. And then we see um orcs, Urukai, bad guys pillaging to towns and working their way to Rohan. Yeah. And that's when you see a very well, like very smartly written the boy and girl who yeah. their mother makes them leave. A very good storyline to show all the like stuff the that I'm explaining. How the innocents exactly. have to deal with this situation. So we're at Rohan and King Theoden looks like he's on the brink of death. Uh-huh. And Aomer, his 
um, nephew is like his, you know, his kind of commander in chief of our of the army and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he gets he brings back his son, Theoden's son, who was literally on the brink of death. Mm-hmm. And shortly after that, he is cast out by Theoden. Of course, it is by Wormtongue who is pulling the strings of Theoden. And Sauron has conjured some sort of spell on King Theoden yes. where he looks all old and crazy, which allows Wormtongue to control everything. Yeah. Um, we also were introduced to Eowyn during this time. You see that I, I really like that part when Eomer is like confronting Wormtongue of like, he knows what he's doing and he knows who his allegiance is to, but what is he going to get out of this? And he looks at Eowyn. Uh, wow. Yeah. Really weird. And Wormtongue, Too long. Have you haunted my sister's steps too long? Have you? <laughs> yeah. And Wormtongue, that guy does a really good job. That guy is so gross to oh, even yeah. look at. But what's crazy is I was watching the behind the scenes and then and then seeing that guy like out of makeup and I was like, oh yeah, he 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 is not a gross looking person. No, like in one <laughs> flew over the cuckoo's nest. Obviously, it's a pretty old movie at this yeah. point. But he's like a cute boy. Yeah. In that movie, uh-huh. it's just so weird to think that though. Yeah. Um. Okay, and then go to Aragorn. So anyway, they. They meet with the the Rohan, mm. uh, the Rohan riders who have been banished, and the they say we pillaged and we found no hobbits. Yes, but we killed everyone. So they go over there and they just assume in this body of burned orcs that Merry and Pippin are there. They even find one of their belts in the burned yes. pile. Yes, and then Aragorn's great skills of being a ranger come into play here, and we see he's starting to like walk through and see the ripped cords, and then he's able to see that. They actually made it into the forest. Yeah. And then he goes through, and then they meet the white wizard, and they all draw their weapons, and Legolas shoots an arrow. Gimli throws a little axe. Aragorn, like, his is about... His sword burns. Yeah, his sword, like, gets so hot he has to let go. And you hear the voice of Saruman. Mm-hmm. It's, like, mixed in. And then it, the this huge light fades, and you see Gandalf. He has I, survived the were, Balrog. When you saw this for the first time, were you just, like, shocked... I don't remember what I felt. I think I remember being so confused because it was also I was so young that to me, when someone falls to their death, yeah, even though you don't literally see that person die, I think that that person's dead. Yeah, but remember the movie begins with a shot of him surviving. Okay, that's true. But even then, I was shocked as a kid yeah. seeing that because I was just like, yeah, I he think didn't I just, die, but he fell down the pit. I assumed that he did. It was Saruman, I think, as a child. And so I was yeah. like, oh, it's Gandalf. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it's... That is how the movie starts, actually. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about that. I know. <laughs> really well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I like how they, they bring up that he's kind of... They, like, they say Gandalf, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's what they used to call me. Yeah. And it's like he's confused. Yeah. He doesn't quite know what's going on. But then he figures it out, and then he says, you know, look for me to the east... Or no, he goes down. No, I'm sorry. He goes down to Edoras with them, mm-hmm. and he casts out the spell on the king, and they Which is cool. kick out Wormtongue. I never really got that uh, when he's conjuring that spell out of him. He is talking to Sauron. Yeah, and this is such a brilliant thing because I think I think if they did this now, if they did this now, you know what they would do is they would like there would be some sort of special effect where it like kind of turns into Sauron and then turns back and stuff. And I don't remember how it's written in the book, but I love that then he finally like casts it out and you see Sauron in by the palantir in uh-huh. his tower get f- flown back. Uh-huh. 
and I think that's way more effective and cool. Absolutely. Because it shows like his reach and, and how then, far he was reaching. Yes. And, and then it also shows how powerful Gandalf is. Yes. Very, yeah, very good. And then uh, we see one of the best effects that today, it's like people forgot that they did this so well in this movie, yeah. when um, Theoden turns back to normal yeah. and loses all of that like white hair and wrinkles. It is um, seamless. It really is. <laughs> like, how come? Because since then, there have been a lot of similar effects in movies like this, and they all look bad. Yeah. There's usually, like, a s- specific point where you see it. And um, I think you can kind of pinpoint it, but I was actually, I was looking for Me it too. this time, and I couldn't really see it. No. And I remembered that, in my head, I remembered, like, the hair looking weird, and I didn't see it this time. I think that part of it is because um, the actual actor had... Uh, actual longer hair because later on you see that he's groomed yeah but it's because he has been like that for so long of course he does still look disheveled even when he looks like himself again yeah when i think in other movies like twilight remember they do it and it looks like almost it almost looks good but there's a certain point where you're like oh it's switched yeah and it looks a little odd yeah and i think it's because it's it's such a dramatic change Uh which i get yeah and this is obviously a very dramatic change as well but it's still you're seeing a man who is not at his strongest strongest even though he's back Mm -hmm. just hats off to you folks yeah um he attends his son's funeral yes um that's very sad and then finally they're like okay we need to make a stand on these urukai and he goes no I don't I've had enough blood on my hands. I've been under a spell for this long. We're going to Helm's Deep. So they head off to Helm's Deep and everyone and and Aragorn and the 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 four of them, the yeah. the four from the fellowship are like this is a bad idea. Yeah. And while they probably were right, I'm yeah. like I'm like I don't think they could have held them off That's in that little town. That's what I was just going to say is uh Helm's Deep is built for battle. Yeah. So in the long run it makes sense. Yeah. Well, and and what I like in this movie a lot, I really like how they wrote Theoden. Yeah. Because he's a really complicated character, and I understand his decisions, and of course, I naturally am like, oh, Aragorn's saying something. I agree with Aragorn. Oh, yeah. Or Gandalf. I agree with him. But his decisions, they do make sense it's throughout the, the whole movie. It's for the good of the people. And then, yeah, and at the end of the movie, he, not that he really needs redemption, but he, like... He finishes. He rides through the breach there, and he, like, leads his people. And I think it shows the part of man in this story of him, in a way, giving up. You know, he's very close to giving up, but it's showing the side of men that that have lost hope. And then we will see, we see a little bit in this movie, but we'll see more in Gondor, the pride. Yes. Which goes too far. Yes. So it's very well written on both sides. Well, and and one one of my favorite things he says is when he's um, it kind of reminds me of uh the office when they do the the murder game. Mystery. Yeah, and and Jim's like, we really need to be working, and yeah. then he's like, Jim, I know we need to be working, but I want to get their minds off of this. Okay, can you understand that? Yeah. But that scene when Aragorn is like, there's no chance that we, like we can't do this and stuff, and he goes that's not what these people need to hear. And he's like, he's like, then I will die with honor. Let's give them a story to tell. Yeah. And, and Aragorn's kind of like, okay. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You're right on that one. Right. But, but what's also very cool is it kind of foreshadows, like not foreshadows, but you see, oh yeah, Aragorn can be king. 
Yeah. He can be king. You see that in his in his blood runs authority. Yes, yeah. Um but you know, of course, as they're leaving the Edoras, so we're flashing back, folks. Um as they're leaving Edoras, um they're attacked by uh what are those called? Wargs? Wargs yes. and and there's a nice little fight scene. I remember as a kid not noticing any special effects in this movie. Oh yeah. What the some of the some stuff now I notice, but even still, it's it's pretty good, mm-hmm. especially for being eighteen years old. Especially it's, the one that when Gimli's pinned under one of them, and then an orc, and then another one comes on, is yeah. about to come on top of him. That one looks really good. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they look pretty cool. Um, and then Aragorn gets flung off the cliff, mm-hmm. and and I think what's smart about <clears throat> the way they wrote all the Rohan stuff is they gave it again. It's been a long time since I've read the book. I'm actually planning on starting two towers this week again. Um, but I, I just think that the, the screenwriters decided to really make Rohan like the act one, act two and act three so that it doesn't feel like a middle chapter. Um, and especially through the eyes of King Theoden, you feel that, and then, and then doing stuff like, even though this isn't in the book, like Aragorn getting thrown off the cliff and almost dying and kind of being brought back to life by Arwen mm-hmm. and then coming to Helm's Deep, it just makes Helm's Deep like, this is going to be the big showdown. Mm-hmm. It's just this huge build so that it's not... Not only that too, but when they show, when Aragorn's coming back, but he sees all of the Urukai coming yeah. to Helm's Deep and you see how many there are, yeah. you're like, this is going to be nuts. And it's almost like, how do they have enough time to do this in this movie? <laughs> yeah. They make time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and they, they just really, like, double down on, like, making that the event of this movie. Yes. Um, and, and it really plays to their advantage. Because then what ensues is, and I would be happy for someone to tell me some other things, because I really can't think of anything close, the best, uh, like, army... To this extent, like this, the, what what would this be called? Um, like siege, yeah. films, like battle sequence I have ever seen in a movie. Even better than the next movie? I think this one is the best one. Okay. It, it's just like, I mean, we'll see, maybe next week I'll change my mind. Better than Endgame? But yeah, it, I mean. No, I, I think it's better than Endgame. Yeah, there's cool stuff and in Endgame's Endgame. Great. Yeah, we love but Endgame. This, but the, for, uh, the only other thing I can think of is like Braveheart or like the Patriot or something. But those are I'm not. I'm pretty unfamiliar. Um, I mean, those are good movies. Yeah. Braveheart especially. but Or maybe Gladiator. But like these huge battles, these are. The, Helm's Deep is like, like if I was going to make a movie with a big sword battle, I would watch this 200 times. Yeah. I would just keep watching it and watching it because each part of the battle has like something that needs to be accomplished and it like builds to this crescendo and then to hopelessness. It's like act one, act two, act three, and then Gandalf comes down. And you know? it's like they make it hard. Peter Jackson makes it as hard as possible as he possibly can on himself by it's done at night, which I feel like just makes it a little bit harder to make it look visually pleasing. Mm-hmm. Because it can, everything can get lost. Helps in with the visual effects, though. No, it does. But it, it can make things like you know, it's not a very good action sequence. Is when you get bored of it because you don't know what's going on. Yeah, I never feel that when no. I watch this. No, no, no. no and no. then it's also raining. Yeah. Jeez, that is like on top of that, visibility is down even more. Uh huh. And still, the rain adds visuals. 
obviously to me because of reflection, which yeah. is like in movies a lot. That's why a lot of the well, things they use that for that like, kind of effect. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. But but it's like it's raining and it's getting darker, and then progressively their hope is getting mm-hmm. weaker and weaker and weaker until the morning dawns. Yes. So all of this stuff just works to the advantage. There's the amazing Olympic torch run where the yeah. orc runs and lights the bomb. Yeah. And we talked about the explosion in the production notes. Of and the, the elves show up. This is before that. All oh, that stuff yeah. Happens, the elves but, show up. So cool. Um, yeah. That one guy love. Oh, I didn't go over him. He's not that much, but uh, really, really great storyline because that guy is introduced so briefly. And I know that we see him in the last movie, but he doesn't have a role. Yeah. But um, so in this movie, it's like, obviously he's, the representative uh-huh. and even when he dies i feel he- like a heavy heart oh for him totally. because they give him his due they do and um so yeah so they blow up the thing and it's like crap what yeah. are they gonna do next not only that they're coming up the side of the bridge yeah to and bashing in the doors crap what are they gonna do after that and they have to like they keep they tell the women and children to like go back through the mountain pass get to the mountains when king theoden's like what's the point they're just gonna catch up to them and kill them yeah which is when you were talking about aragorn is like we need to ride out and meet them yeah and they do and then gandalf appears and and i love when when aragorn looks up at the window and then he hears gandalf's voice and the sun like visibly rises yeah in the window and then they go out there Gandalf comes and he has the riders of Rohan that were originally banished at the beginning yes, of the movie. And the, the, I know that the issue, sorry, with that was, you know, they're leaving. I think someone brings up those riders, like we need to get them. Yeah. But they were like in such a far distance away. It would have been impossible. There wouldn't have been time. Yeah. That's when Gandalf, like you just said, his was like, his goal was to get them in time. Mm-hmm. And because it he does has shadow not, facts, he was able to do it. Yes, shadow facts go so cool. And this is not this does not fall under like Duex Machina at all. Mm-mm. It's like so it's so ingrained. It's just like a hidden like thing that you forget about. And then and the battle's gone on for you know it's like a forty five minute battle. Yeah, it's gone on for so long that you even forget. I mean, I don't forget now because I've seen the movie fifty times. Yeah, but I think when you first watch it, you forget. Because, yeah. you know, when even when we were watching it, we would watch, you know, it's like 10 minutes at Helm's Deep, and then it goes to Frodo and Sam, and we're like, oh, yeah. And then it goes to Mary Pippin. And we're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then it goes back to Helm's Deep, and you're like, oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, they are successful. They kill the orcs. And not only that, and then the or- does that in a way, the Mary and Pippin storyline, I know that those, because, uh, sorry, <laughs> Treebeard was like, those trees have another plan. Yeah, and they and go I off love to there. That it you can clearly tell that the trees were not there originally. Yeah. So they move toward Helm's Deep, and then the orcs and Urukai run into the forest, and then you just see the forest come alive and kill the rest of them. So cool. So cool. And I also want to mention too, uh, we didn't touch on it much, and that's okay, because I know we will in the next movie. But with uh-huh. Eowyn's character. Uh, oh yeah, we didn't really talk about her. She I keep burping. Okay. She is very well written because so she is um, Theoden's niece. She um, wants to fight. She wants to participate yeah. in fighting for freedom, and they won't like Theoden won't let her be one because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. Two because she is like an heir, an heiress. Yeah. So it, and Aomer has well, I know he doesn't come until later, but like obviously he would fight. You know what I mean? So it's like right. you have to be protected. And not only that, they do give her the responsibility of taking care of the women and children. Yeah. Like you have to make sure that they go. 
Um, but all she wants to do is participate. And it, it's so, it's just so well done because the actress is also does a very good job of like wanting to be part of it so much. And like, she has no fear. Yeah. She has less fear than most of the men who were forced to fight had. Yeah. And it's just great that she gets her due in the next movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like more, more times over than anyone could ever expect her to have. It's great. Well, and, and let's talk about this a little bit too. I really feel like, of course they, they kind of do just by a definition, not in a bad way. They do kind of a love triangle with Aragorn, Arwen and Eowyn in this movie yeah. where it's kind of like, who is he going to choose? But then they also show Arwen's decision of like, do I choose mortality or immortality? Mm. And all this stuff. And I think what's what's really nice about it is, yeah. yes, we see that Aomor, I mean, um, Eowyn. A- Eowyn would love Aragorn and would be his queen, you know, yeah. if he were to take up the throne. But but it's almost like it, this is just showing like how hard his decision is, because now he, there is like a viable option, a woman mm-hmm. that he could be with and maybe probably be happy with way less complications because he would never have to feel guilty about it yeah with arwen that's a big thing that keeps him from it is like always feeling like he took her life away from, like literal life away from her yeah but it's like that's not um I, I, yeah it's i, I mean I just it comes down that. to you know they obviously don't get into it that much they can't there's no time yeah. but like he he just doesn't it, it's arwen it's yeah. Arwen, and it's always been her. And even though, yes, it is technically a love triangle, they definitely do not spend too much time on it. Well, and he never, like, There's explores n- it. No, 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 I no. think is why it isn't annoying. No, I never get that feeling of, like, oh, he, I guess he kind of likes her or whatever. Like, yeah. no, never. Yeah. But you see, obviously, that she um, admires him. And it's like, well, yeah, of course she does. Like, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah. In a way. Yeah, he's it, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. He's got the best chin in Hollywood. But, uh... <laughs> Anyway, just all very well written, especially in a movie on this scale. Yeah. They were able to successfully do even that. Yeah. It's it's insane. I love it. I love it. Um I think I think we've covered this movie very thoroughly. Sure. Um uh this month on Patreon, we are covering the first in uh, well, we have the MPU the sequel that you can sign up for on patreon.com/mikeamacaw and on that this month it's Finding Nemo. Next month it's Finding Dory. So, on the Patreon we do movies with only two sequels, and that started two this entries. month. Two entries. I'm sorry, um, and that started this month. So, go check that out. You can sign up for as little as three dollars. Um, I'm sure. Hopefully by now I have a video out that's me performing. All I took a song from Greta Gerwig's Little Women, and I um, made it all guitar like the cello, the harp and all that stuff. And I, I made a video and recorded it and it's mixed and it's very cool. It is very cool and very impressive. And I would love for people to watch it and share it. Let's, let's make it go viral, please. And don't forget to comment and, or I'm sorry, subscribe and write a review. I know that we have more listeners. Come on. Or, even if you don't write a review, just press five stars. Yeah. Just do it, please. Please. Let's pump it up. But anyway, thank you for listening. Next week, The King Returns, baby. 